What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today I had a great conversation with a few different guests. I'm going to let you guys figure it out as the podcast goes on who I had on, but we had a great conversation about everything across the NBA that's happening on and off the court. And uh, yeah, I, it's too confusing to explain up top. It's 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 got levels and layers, and, and you guys will We'll be able to figure that out uh, as as you go throughout the podcast. So once again, thanks to my guests, multiple, definitely not the same person, two different people, not the same guy. So just wanted to say up top, I apologize for the delay. Usually I have these things out a little bit earlier, but I, I've had some delays due to things that were kind of beyond my control. And... I just wanted to let you guys know that you can join the Discord. We're talking about Sixers every day. We're talking about NBA shit every day. We're just having a good time in there. You can visit the link tree. You can donate, support the podcast. We've got a few more donations last week. It's been absolutely fantastic. I'd love to keep up the momentum as we can try to continue to build. I'm going to try to pump out some more stuff, maybe do two pods, some maybe a post-game reaction, maybe some just some like live Twitter spaces or Spotify green room or something. Maybe we'll start streaming sometime soon. I'm, I'm once again, saving up for the equipment to be able to kind of take it to the next level. So anything you could do is 100% appreciated. Uh, once again, review. And if your podcast platform allows you to do a review, five-star reviews would be 100% appreciated. Uh, we're getting more and more of those. More and more people are saying it's great. It's great, folks. We are loving it. So once again, thank you so much for your support. Uh, just listening, it means the world to me. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We had uh, a lot of fun recording this one. Pearl Jam! We work to work, you like to work, I holla and they send it. You know my pride was colder than Chicago in December My bitch came up and ain't go with her mama was her daddy And when I'm in the Midwest, she say holla at your family My dog paid me that cup, taste like candy My dog out laying them low, ain't breaking no laws, I serve not rock Beats outside, still fucking in the car, still flipping in the car, still shooting at the car What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today I am excited to have on someone who Sixers fans might be familiar with. A little bit, maybe. He is known for his very optimistic and weird tweets about the Celtics. We have Sam Sheehan, a.k.a. Nice Sheehan. What's going on, Sam? Right. Um, yeah, that's actually it's actually my my girlfriend's account because I, I've been suspended. So you know I'm not allowed oh, back right. on Twitter. So that's that's a, that's a that's an NBA girl. That's a different person. It's not me. That was honestly my bad. Uh, yeah, I forgot no, that. Yeah. Yeah. You so don't want her account to be suspended because it's a different person. You understand? It's <laughs> the NBA girl. It's not me. Yeah. I'm, I'm off Twitter. I've been suspended, so I'm not allowed to come back. <laughs> if Jack is listening to this. It's it's definitely Sam's girlfriend, and yeah. by the way, congratulations on landing an e girl. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah she's I'm an very e-girl. yeah NBA. <laughs> she's on Twitch. Um, you can uh, follow her. I'll let you guys know where her handle is as soon as she lets me have it. She doesn't let me know. Um, you know, actually, I'm locked out of our house a lot of the time, but I appreciate you like letting me crash with you while we do this podcast. By the way, that was nice of you. 
Yeah, absolutely, dude. Uh, I, I I appreciate that you hitchhiked down from from New York to come crash at my place. Uh, you you know you're welcome anytime, uh, even though this is our first time meeting. Uh, so there's something that I had sent to you, which is very near and dear to both of our hearts, and that is something to do with our friend Ryan Rosillo. Now. Me and you have been poisoned by Bill Simmons' brain. We have been poisoned by (laughs) – we we are both both of the same kin in that we – We've been house Chernobyled. (laughs) Lead poisoned, so to speak. Absolutely. If you know Hench and you know Jacko, uh, you're you're an irredeemable human and you should be like just (laughs) thrown into the ocean. And I'm talking about both of us. If you know about Malcolm Gladwell's opinions on (laughs) African basketball players, you literally should not have access to the internet. Like at all. So there's something that has been sent to you apparently multiple times today our our friend from twitter black messiah aka kenny who's yeah. also known as the black kevin o'connor yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kenny. Kenny's so good. <laughs> has done some has done some amazing research and has found something that is just truly a gem and so he went back through and he found this video that actually nephew Kyle posted to uh, the Ringer's YouTube page, and it is about his rough 2002. And if you don't know anything about his 2002, he was actually living here in the Philadelphia area. He was in Trenton. He was working for a minor league baseball team where he was told that he was going to make $30,000 that year. He made $13,000. They took him off the air, and he tells this whole long-winded story about how he got sent he basically left trenton flew back up to massachusetts and went to his at the time girlfriend's school she was a teacher and he proposed to her in front of her entire class outside of a window they were all like looking outside the window <laughs> and she rejected him this was essentially a last plea this was a last plea for him to get her back. She didn't want anything to do with him. No. The, the, the principal had to call the police. <laughs> no. To get him out of there so that he could not continue to embarrass himself. It gets even better. It gets, it, shit, Sam, it gets even better. So all of this happens and... Basically, he, he he ends up leaving Trenton. He gets fired from the job. He leaves. And he's like, I got nowhere to go. So he moves back up. He's living up up in the area. He's at Martha's Vineyard a lot. With the, he's working for his dad doing construction. And he basically, he basically has – finds out that he can't hang out with his own friends because his best friend is sleeping with the girl. Mm. No. That just rejected his proposal. Okay. So all of a sudden, like everything is snapped into place. Like this is like a five minute version of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker you just told me. Like, like it's like a perfect origin story. Because I've always said that Russillo acts like a divorced guy. Like he has divorced guy energy, but he's like yes. 
as far as I know, not divorced. Yes. Um, what th- this makes sense. Like this is, this is the same as getting divorced. Um, you know, children were hurt, um, when the separation <laughs> happened, um, scarred for life, scarred for life. Um, you like, you lost most of your friend group. Um, yeah. Wow. This, he is, I suddenly, I suddenly like get Rusillo a lot more. Like that's exactly how I felt too. Yeah. Like I don't like, I don't want to say like sympathetic. Um, but like, I kind of get why he's always like, like, you know, cause my favorite Rusillo tick is like talking about how hard he works and how much research he's done and stuff like yes. that. Like, yes. and, and like how, what a like insane chip on his shoulder he seems to have about that. And like yeah. all of that, like it's just suddenly makes sense. Um, so there's actually another, there's another element to this story. Apparently he, I, I think Rosillo actually has a humiliation kink because like, I'm not even joking. Like at first I was like, oh, he like has, I heard this story. Kenny went on to find out that he has said on four different occasions, four different occasions, possibly five different occasions that his girls that he was either interested in or girls that he was with have slept with his best friend. Like and the same best friend. Brother, you need a new best friend. <laughs> like, well, um, he talk- <laughs> you gotta like, like, like after two, you've got to be like, okay. Like, <laughs> I can see like one, you're like, all right, you know what, bro. He tried to make up with the first guy. Yeah. He apparently yeah. tried to like hash it out. And he said they all went out together as, as a friend group. And they were like, and he was like, they were like, yo, he's going to be here tonight. And Rosilla was like, I just want to kind of bury the hatchet, whatever. He gets there. They're hanging out for like 30 minutes. And then Rosilla goes to the bathroom and they're about to go to the next bar and they all just leave him at the bar and they oh. left him because they thought that he was going to try to fight the other guy, even though he wanted to bury the hatchet. I I'm sure I, I'm sure I'm sure. Cause I'm sure this story is told from Rosillo's point of view. I bet, I bet their version is closer to the truth. I bet there was oh, like 100%. burying the hatchet. I'm sure there was like some really aggro like signals I, going up. I but. mean, they just, they, they clearly just hate him. I mean, like, yeah. I don't really know. Like I, 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 talked about this earlier and i basically said that like when you talk about like the chip on your shoulder type stuff yeah Rosillo got cucked so hard by his friend that it motivated him to become rich and famous yeah that's what i'm saying like that's honestly like that is kind of like alpha grind set like you know i get why he's like an inst- <laughs> like posting his body on instagram like for like no reason like like that he, he like gave himself that sort of like humiliation brain damage and honestly, like, I'm kind of sympathetic, you know, as someone who's, like, uh, not an alpha or a sigma. Um, I don't know if we would qualify Rusillo as a sigma. Um, he kind of um, has sigma mindset, but he's too old school. He's kind of in the alpha mindset still. That's what I'm saying. I think he's, like, I think these days he would be a sigma. Like, he would latch yeah. on to the sigma mindset, but he just got to it too late to, like. He's Gen, he's, he's gen X. He can't, he right. can't yeah. possibly fill, fall into that. But, yeah, so basically – Rosillo's origin story, as you said, makes a lot more sense to us now. I do feel a little bit of sympathy for him. Yeah. 
I, I, I think that the fact that he has, like, I remember reading an article about him in like the New York Daily News or something that he bought like a four million dollar penthouse, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel all that bad. Like, Rosillo's absolutely fucking loaded for literally yeah. just like getting on the air and, as you said, just spewing. Like, it, there is a little bit of an art to it. Like, I think that right. I think Coward's the best at the monologue yes, shit. That's a great analog. Like yes. Coward's like his direct analog for sure. Yes. Yeah. Was, oh my God. You can tell you yeah. can tell when he talks about Coward. He, he there's even yeah. like a tinge of jealousy. He's right, like, yeah, because right. like Coward will go on and do like, yeah, you know, Patrick Mahomes is like Apple. And then like he'll do like some fucking <laughs> yeah. thing about how Patrick Mahomes is Apple. Tom Brady's like Windows or some shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then Rosillo's like, fuck, I wish I came up with that shit. Yeah. I, I like, I, I feel bad because I, I feel like Russillo like missed his window. Like, I feel like if he, if he got like owned this hard, like these days, he'd just like, he could like, just, you know, join like an online community and like um, get really into gesture maxing. Like he would be great <laughs> at gesture maxing these days. Like, so he like, I, I feel bad that he had to like, you know, but Gen X, like the, the, the most outrageous thing you could do is like be a sports guy. Like that was like, <laughs> The most fringe you could be. Yeah, be exactly. Like, I talk yeah. about how, how how Chris Vernon is like a '90s shock jock, just in the wrong era. Like yeah. he's like like he would be on like like Howard Stern or Opie and Anthony or something. But because he's in this time period right now, he just has to talk about sports. Right. Yeah. 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 He's 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 paired up with Kevin O'Connor and doing like like it's very funny to think of like you know 30 years prior like Vernon like on like. Howard Stern, like, um, I don't know, like asking uh, Tiana Trump, like if they're real. And then versus like, now he's like talking to Kevin O'Connor about like, wow, Ke- Kevin, you, you fell out of a fence. <laughs> like, like, it, it's, it's, it's very, it's very funny to me. I, 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 by the way, I don't know if your viewers know this. Um, if you don't know what Chris Vernon looks like, but you're familiar with his voice, oh my never, God. never look him up, never see his face it, it will shock you i'm still like, i still have psychic damage from it not that he's like a bad looking guy it's just the exact opposite of it's what insane he's yeah he yeah. looks like he's in fucking high school um yes, it's, it's like the, the evan fortier thing dude never google fortier yeah, please exactly. please but uh speaking of vernon i just need to touch on this before we move on i talked about him a little bit ago uh i kind of did a, a little segment on him but i i left out my favorite part and my my favorite moment in the history of the mismatch was the time they were talking about their virginities. Have you ever heard this one? No. How did I miss that? And Kevin, okay, so basically Vernon just kind of like whatever in passing makes like a joke about like a 40-year-old virgin or whatever or something. And Kevin gets defensive. (laughs) Well, Kevin, Kevin reveals that he was a virgin until he was like 25. Okay, checks out. Which, f- fine, I don't care, whatever, no right. judgment. But mm-hmm. Vernon is like, what are you doing? Like, what? He's like being like, Kevin, shut up. Like, he's trying, he's like, we have hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this. Why are you doing this? He's like trying to be a good friend at the moment. And Kevin O'Connor is just digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper and just going more in detail about losing his virginity at a, a later age. I, I, I mean this... I mean this like totally unironically. Like Kevin, I, I know Philly fans have like a, a different relationship. I think Kevin O'Connor rocks. Like he, he's like we. I think we have to like appreciate him as like a. I just love that he's like a just a like a neutral good 
person like in the NBA <laughs> landscape, but he's just yeah. like he's just like a happy dude who's like covering the league. And I like I don't I I love that. He's like the um like Homer thinking about the rainbows and like all the people <laughs> like like whenever he's like thinking about the league. And I I love that. I love I that. said the same exact thing. Like Kevin yeah. is just like such a fucking positive person. I have yeah. a sense of envy even when I listen right. to the podcast exactly. where I'm like, he's just like like he's just vibing like there's no like kevin isn't kevin has never thought about like fucking capitalism once he's never thought about like fucking climate change or anything that we constantly think about on a daily basis kevin's just like yeah thinking about fucking uh chris duarte maybe he'll break through this year and i'm like that rocks Honestly, I even think like I, I I don't know. I would even go a step further and say that like he honestly like does like know about those things and thinks about them and it's just like yeah I don't know basketball and he just he's he's like real sigma mindset. That's honest sigma mindset. Like just <laughs> yeah, totally he's just out of the yeah. No, Kevin yeah, O'Connor is the is the apex sigma of the NBA media landscape. And what's I, I won't hear arguments on that. What's funny is that um, Boston has a, Boston and Philadelphia are very similar. In that they both have psychotic media personalities. Yeah, yes. And you guys, we don't really have any guys that are like the equivalent to Kevin O'Connor. Like there are some guys that are like nicer. I think they're just mm-hmm. nicer people. But right. like they don't really appeal to the fan base here. You guys have two really nice guys actually. You also have Keith Smith who's like – Yes. literally the like the kindest person like if Keith Smith was here in Philadelphia people would just be like you're a fucking idiot <laughs> like, <laughs> like, tweeting still, at him. Like, they probably still do here. <laughs> like, oh really yes oh no 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 there's Keith Keith has taken his looks like Keith like Kevin Kevin just like skates by Keith will get in the mud with like people who are like calling him a stupid asshole but he won't like not, not that he'll call him them back. He'll just quote tweet it and be like, yep, these are my followers. And then they'll be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> he'll just be like, another day on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. No, like, and Keith definitely took his lumps during the bubble when like the, the blood was on Keith Smith's hands with the, 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 the rallying cry. <laughs> I, I he, like Keith. Because he worked at, Keith at, at Celtics blog, so I, I – I, I'm a little biased because I, I have a soft spot for Keith. And I, he's I, he's I a very him. genuinely nice yeah. guy. I can tell. You can just tell based on his yeah. fucking – his online personality. But we actually yeah. will talk a little bit about what's – What's going on in the NBA? But as we talk about a lot, it's not actually what's happening. Uh, it's just whatever the fuck's going on off the court. So wanted to have you on specifically. We, I wanted to conference in Sam Sheehan NBA to oh, get right, right. some takes on yeah. the Kyrie Irving situation that it's, is happening it, right now. So can we conference in Sam and maybe yeah, get some of I his? Mean, it, this is kind of a pain because like, you know, people get us confused all the time and like, you know, it's gotten so bad that I like kind of need to, we had to, you, you know, I did actually reach out to him, you know, a stranger and kind of like we had to set up this like call forwarding and like switching so we could like, you know, kind of, <laughs> um, you know, get each other's calls and you know what, let me just, I, I told him we'd be on here tonight. We might be calling him. So he should be like by the phone. So just g- give me a second. Let me, let me come right. in here. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, LA Times, LA Times. I look. I've got. I look. I, I I just got off the phone. I just just got off the phone with Josh Harris. Um, I sent him my full draft. Um, I wanted to know if he has any edits he wants. Sam. To make. Uh, oh, we're oh, recording. So <laughs> yes. Oh, 
Yeah. So yes. yeah, great, great. No, happy, happy to have you on here. Um, just like to repeat, Sam Sheen MBA, one of the most credible, um, one of the most credible MBA sources. I've been covering the MBA for years and years. I am for hire and hiring. <laughs> so, athletic, so like that. Being one of the most reliable and transparent journalists, mm-hmm. um, what is your take on the Kyrie Irving situation that is happening with the Brooklyn Nets currently? Um, I think it's, I think it's a shame and I think it's, it's very upsetting. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a ton of dynamics, um, you know, here at play. Um, one of them is that, uh, you know, we've seen mental health come to the forefront of the league in a lot of ways. Um, you know, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, these guys have made a very brave stand. Um, I've actually been interacting with, um, quite a few, um, you know, stars behind the scenes and sort of, you know, gathering some sourcing data. Um, and what I've heard is that um, Kyrie Irving, you know, he's not he's not against the vaccination. That that information is out there, you know. OK, yeah, of course. The official story from, you know, charlatans who violate HIPAA and do not, you know, observe, you know, the right of uh, true NBA reporting. They'll say that it's it's because he wants, you know, he's making a stand on personal choice. Um that's actually not true. Um, the thing that um, Kyrie Irving is frightened of is, um, well, it, it's two things. One, um, he's scared of alcoholic swabs. Um, he's not actually scared of, of getting the injection himself, but they're having a problem, you know, because when you get an injection, you need to have your, um, you know, you need to have your arm swapped with a... Wow, you know, yeah. Yeah, that. Um, he, he doesn't like those. Um, he's against that. Um, he's a phobia. Yeah, he has a phobia. Um, and the other thing is that, um, you know, Kyrie Irving saw what happened to um, Ben Simmons in the playoffs. You know, he saw how the home crowd um, turned on him. And I'm hearing that this might be a little bit of navigating on his part, too, where he's sort of leaning into this so he doesn't have to play in front of his, you know, the famously raucous um, Brooklyn Nets home crowd. I mean, every <laughs> time you turn on a Brooklyn Nets game, there are hundreds of dozens of people in the stands cheering, just cheering. I mean, like we're talking about a proud tradition that has been passed from generation of, you know, um, Electric Zoo going um, 2011 Tisch School grads to, you know, 2016 Electric Zoo Tisch going um, school grads. Wow. And it's, yeah, exactly. And, you know, those, those five years of tradition weigh pretty heavily on Kyrie, you know, who's never really had to be the guy on a championship team. Um, You know, I, we know he made some big shots in the finals with LeBron James, but I think people are sort of ignoring the mental health aspect of this and the sheer, you know, um, pressure that comes from playing in a passionate market, um, like Brooklyn, that's just got those wild and crazy fans, you know? Of course, just, yeah. Uh, just, ride or die Brooklyn. Yeah, I um, think about, you know, Philadelphia, Boston, Brooklyn, all in the same category, really. I mean, I would say Nets fans are probably the most passionate. Yeah, I mean, that's like the most, I mean, like, you know, Boston fans, you know, there's all, there's all the things about, you know, the old garden and like running on to the, and what a hostile, you know, environment that was. I mean, you know, Philly has all of their, you know, their, their stories from booing Santa Claus to like, you know, throwing D batteries, um, you know, and which Brooklyn, are always, by the way, which are very relevant right now. Yes, exactly. And then, you know, in Brooklyn, you look up 
into the rafters and you see the history of Taylor Swift, you know, four consecutive Barclays um, <laughs> sold out shows banners in the, in the stands. And that, that weighs heavily, you know, that's a, that's a lot for of history for a guy to process. And, you know, sometimes guys just kind of want to make their own way and not live in, you know, the shadow of Taylor Swift's, you know, four consecutive Barclays sold out shows. So of course, of course, the legacy, the legacy of living up to these world famous musicians. Also, the, I mean, just the lineage of athletes that have gone through the nets, you know, you had mm-hmm. Todd McCullough, you had Keith Van Horn, you had, um, geez, uh, Brooke Lopez, NBA champion Brooke Lopez. Yeah. So now you now you have Kyrie at the stage of his career where he's trying to live up to the standards and he's being pressured by the liberal media to – by the way, I, I don't want to get political on this podcast at all. Yeah, no, I don't want to get political. Yeah, absolutely not. Right. I, I don't want to get political. This is not a political thing, by the way. None of this is political. It, it doesn't. It doesn't affect anyone but Kyrie Irving. This is an individual issue, and he mm-hmm. needs to sort it out on his own. Right. But th- th- there has been a lot of things that have been out there by like so-called leftists on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this, yeah, but they're the leftists. Yeah, they're uh, really let, let's call them what they are: cyber bullies. I mean, you know, they're just. Um, they don't like, you know, well, when I came out um, to support Beto O'Rourke, um, you know, later um, Amy Klobuchar um, and Elizabeth Warren, you know, I, I, as later on, I, I, I suffered a lot of abuse, um, you know, because I wanted them to, I, I found some of their campaign promises, you know, interesting. And I thought we could use some problem solvers like that to maybe do something where maybe we could subsidize um, sports media. Maybe, you know, well, I, there was a lot of plans to, you know, um, sort of take, um, you know, reduce uh, things like, you know, their bloated, bloated spending, you know, infrastructure, roads. Uh, yeah, understandable. You know, healthcare, that type of stuff, and put it into making an athletic too, where it's the athletic, but, um, you know, there's, there's, there's even more, more reporters and the business model uh, makes even less sense. So, um, you know, just to, just to d- double down on that. So, uh, you know, anyway, I, I've, I've, I've encountered them and a lot of times they'd Photoshop my face on a pig defecating on its balls or, or something <laughs> like that. And it just, it's, it's disgusting and it has no place in NBA sports reporting, any big NBA sports reporter, you know, some of the best in the craft, uh, Jackie McMullen, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, um, Nate Duncan, they all know, they all know the pain of having to deal with these people. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not sure if you saw uh, Philadelphia own, Philadelphia's own Jack uh, Prostate, Pobasek tweeted and said um, that, co- interesting, by the way, so-called leftist, not even saying anything about this, mm-hmm. Kyrie benched by a white man and BLM. As in Black Lives Matter got nothing to say. That's um, interesting. Well, I mean, a little fact check there. Um, as Malcolm Gladwell had pointed out, Steve Nash is actually African. So, um, you know. That's, oh, yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, something, right. wow. something to bear in mind. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, you know, it's an interesting point. I mean, the duality of, of this, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, people's lives. But suddenly um, when it's something where you, you know someone is sort of speaking truth to power um 
you you know uh, against uh, you know a, a hateful and, and corrupt NBA league. Um, yeah, it's just it's very disappointing. I'm I'm hoping President Obama will get on the phone and resolve this like he did. You know the uh, the, the the boycott. Stop calling it a strike. It was a boycott. Um, the the that the Milwaukee Bucks did. Um, Absolutely. If there's one yeah. man that can solve this issue, it is Barack Obama. As he has yeah. has proved time and time again. He, I hope he and LeBron step in again. Yeah. Yeah. We absolutely. Need them to step in and say mm-hmm. that it's okay that Kyrie Irving yep. doesn't get vaccinated. Totally agree. If there's anyone that can come through and destroy workers' rights, it's those two. All right. So, uh, Sam, I just want to say before you get out of here, your your opinion on. The strategy of possibly if Kyrie Irving comes back, you tweeted this earlier in the week. Mm. Will the Nets aim for the eight seed so that they can, if Kyrie Irving can't play at the home games, he -hmm. could then play more road games. He could play in four road games. Yes. And And then against the one seed. Yeah, this is this is sort of you know the interesting alchemy, which makes me think you know maybe maybe as Kyrie learned a, a little trick from LeBron, you know one of the great chess masters when it comes to controlling the media. You know, we, we hear about that a lot. And as we know, um, Kyrie Irving was on the same team as LeBron James and got to, you know, study with him up close. This would be a great way to get a lot of the Nets some rest, um, especially if you're worried about James Harden, um, Kevin Durant. Um, you know, so so what do you do? What's a way where you can make it so um, you're, you're actually having an advantage when you're on the road? And that way you can, you know, aim for a lower seed and you don't have to kill yourself trying to get the one seed. Right. Um, you know, and that would be to, you know, sit out half the games, you know, so you're resting. You know, probably the worst thing um, for an NBA player is is playing in NBA games. Um, <laughs> you know, so the less of those you can play in, the better. And I think that's why Kyrie's, you know, sort of prepping some of this. This is, you know, another reason why I think um, – you know, Daryl Morey made a crucial, uh, you know, mistake by bringing Ben Simmons back. I think he should have, you know, um, kept him out half the year, then brought him back. So that right. super, a super Ben Simmons, you know, if Ben Simmons <laughs> averages, what, 23 points a game, something like that. He, you know, now, now that's over 80 games. If he, if you take his totals and you put that into 40 games, all of a sudden that's 46 points a game. That would oh. be an NBA record in points per game. Yeah. So, wow. you know, just, just just thinking outside the box. I mean, Daryl Morey is an analytics master. He proved this in Houston, you know. So this might be the next 3 and D style thing, but I think Kyrie Irving might have beat him to it. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I see the Nets doing this, you know, sort of saving up. It's, I call it the Kamehameha Wave um, style, where you charge up for a game and then you release a burst. So you could think of Kyrie Irving um, – when, the, when there's home games, he's going Kamehameha, like Goku, and then there's a ha where he explodes it when he's on the road. Oh, wow. This is something yeah. – my this is a, a show that my uh, my Bushwick witch girlfriend watches a lot. Um, it's very interesting. <laughs> wow, that sounds very, very interesting. By the yes. way, congr- congratulations on the sex. Yeah, um, well, I mean, we, we – we we're getting there. We're we're hanging out. We're taking it slow. We've only been dating four years, so. Oh oh okay yeah, yeah no yeah. absolutely it's it's better to be safe. But right. one one th- one last thing before you actually get out of here, sure. I just need your situation. I I need your opinion. I don't know if you saw this, but Nate Duncan, vac- vaccine expert, 
he has a podcast I'm about vaccines. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nate Nate actually pointed out that uh in uh Another very reliable journalist, uh, Ramona Shelburne, who is one of the greats on the Mount Rushmore of NBA reporters. She must have been so disappointed when she saw that Adam Schefter report, you know, as an ESPN colleague, you know, because I know Ramona hates access journalism. (laughs) Of course. Yes, I I think it's very much against all of her morals and ethics. She would never do such a thing. She essentially reported that Ben Simmons was in the health and safety protocols for four days, which she was insinuating that it could mean he is also unvaccinated because basically if you show up and you register a negative test and you're vaccinated once, you're good. You can play with the team. It took Ben four days. We can assume that they took four tests over those days. What did you think of this HIPAA violation and uh, that Nate Duncan, your colleague, and Ramona Shelburne, your colleague, contributed to? Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty disappointing. Um, you know, I, I look, um, it's my dearest dream to work with them someday, um, you know, someday when maybe I write for The Athletic or something like that. Um, and or The Athletic too. Or the athletic too, you know, God willing, President Biden make it happen. Um, <clears throat> we don't need TAMF. We don't need these family credits. You know, family courts a sham anyway. The, but the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that I, I'm i willing to speak truth to power because of my journalism, even though these are, you know, I'm willing to have these awkward conversations and go on the record here and say I'm very, I'm very disappointed in them, um, you know. I don't think Nate's sponsors should take this lying down. Um, you know, I, I thought Helix Sleep was a, you know, um, HIPAA friendly company. Maybe they should, you know, look into this. And, you know, uh, for Ramona Shelburne, I mean, it's got to be tough, you know, because her friend, you know, she's got her friend Jeannie Buss, who, um, you know, probably had no idea what Ramona was writing or anything. And that must have been like a huge shock to her to see something like a HIPAA violation. Of course. Um, in those things. Cause yeah. what, know, what are the Lakers and what are the, La- the Lakers and build bar have to say about this? I, I, they didn't release any statements on Twitter. I didn't hear anything. So bill bar, if you're listening to this, you support Nate and his podcast, uh, Indochino, if you're listening to this, uh, love your suits, but how yeah. can you stand for him outing Ben Simmons like this for being unvaccinated publicly? Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've put the promo code CAPSPACE in a fine suit that I had prepared for, you know, another custody battle, um, you know, life at, to, just to get ready. Um, so, you know, in a way, I could say that Nate has really sponsored a lot of my dad's rights battles in um, family court, but... Inspiring. Yeah, it's it's... So I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. This is this is really of course, you, of course. Take your I, I take your like time. I have, to, I have to denounce it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for standing up for what you believe in. Um, you know, we're all at the You Know Ball podcast. We are all about transparency. We are all about standing up for what you believe in. Yeah. We are all about objective journalism. Are you okay? You look like you're about to throw up. I'm. I'm. I'm just not. I'm not feeling very good. I think the only thing that could really help me is if I got, you know, some sort of job, you know, maybe with the athletic or the athletic too, um, or, or the ringer. 
um, you know, or even spinsters. Um, I DM Haley O'Shaughnessy a lot on Instagram and she just blocked me. So, I'm, you know, if somebody could put me back in touch with her, I appreciate it. So, so brave, so bold. I'm crying a little. Um, it was just very hard for me. That's just it's you're just an inspiration to journalists everywhere journalist students as a former journalist student myself who has a podcast so i just like i look up to you a lot and i appreciate you taking the time to speak with me about these saying that Um, incredibly important issues yeah no i'm gonna uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna head back um you know downstairs now um is your uh, your shower still on the right right yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. You don't mind if I like hang out here for like five, six days? Yeah. Like, landlord is Nate. Yeah. yeah. Sure, dude. Come on. Eviction right. moratorium. Right. Yeah. Edit this. Edit this part out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Eric. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for thanks for speaking with me. Let's get uh other other Sam back in here. So, I have a quick. Why did I forward the call if he was just with me the whole time? <laughs> I don't know. Felt like you guys kind of played a trick on me there, but yeah. All right, no, I'm glad, I'm glad to be back though. <laughs> Talking with Sam Shin NBA, I think he's a little bit of a freak, but you know, <laughs> it doesn't help that we have the exact same voice. It really causes a lot of problems for me. I understand. You know, yeah. identity theft is a very serious problem. We do not uh, take it lightly. That's why uh, we support Simply Safe. Uh, our our uh, sponsors here at the podcast, the You Know Ball podcast, use the promo code uh, <laughs> Ben Simmons, not the Sixers player, Bill Simmons' son, Ben Simmons, for twenty uh, percent off. Um, okay, what's that? That's a, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, it's a good pot. Uh, is that a real promo, by the way? <laughs> I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm fascinated. <laughs> I don't want to do the, the Bill Burr Sherry's Berries on the podcast to get your <laughs> the, the Norm McDonald uh with the grill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've done the simply safe group before. Me and my uh, sep my 75 character promo code. No. <laughs> yeah. Um all right, so let's get back on to <laughs> some other things. Uh, so <laughs> one of, one of our favorite people in the world was on the low post this week, by the way, Zach Lowe, love you. I've talked about you before on the podcast. We, we think you're great. We think you're great, Zach. Yeah. I, I think he should release the low post where he interviewed Stavros Hockeyus. Um, you know, I know it's out there. Zach, do the right thing. Or I agree. Him, at least. Yep. Free, free the the Stavos interview, the Frost yeah. Nixon of our generation. Yeah. Um, so one of uh, the things about Zach's podcast that I'm not a big fan of is the fact that he essentially always has the same like seven guests on. Well, and Beck. <laughs> Beck hasn't been on in a while. I think they've banished him. Yeah, uh, they, they got in a fight. Beck is now not that- vaccinated. <laughs> right oh my God. Did you see Beck's piece he published this week? No, I, I did see that he had a big one, but I, I'm forgetting off the top of my head what it was. All right. So another Philadelphia connection here. A uh, guy who was the head of Jordan brand for oh, like yes. yes, yes, yes. Was just like, hey, by the way, I murdered a guy in the 70s. 
That's pretty sick. Honestly, <laughs> power to him. I mean, flex. <laughs> I what I don't understand is he was like. So basically, he tells this whole story about how he killed this guy when he was sixteen. I don't need to laugh, but mm-hmm. it's just so absurd. And basically, what happened was. He was like, yeah, and then I got released, like, in his late 20s. He only spent, right. like, 10, 10 to 15 years in jail. And then he was like, yeah, then I got a job at 30. And I was like, this was in, like, the 80s then? Because if you killed someone in the 70s, that means it was, like, the 80s, possibly close to the 90s. They didn't do a fucking background check? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, well, there, there was no internet. Like, you could just kind of do that, I think. <laughs> yeah. No you could just run through like microfilm looking for your name. Like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, that's why, I don't know. That's why when like Gen X people, that's why when they do that shit where they're like, yeah, go in there, shake their hand. Like, you know, like get, go in the, you know, when your your parents, remember when, like when you first got out of college, yes. your parents would be like, bring you in know, your resume and hand right. it out. And then I'm like, they're going to call the police if I do that. Right. Yeah. You go hand them your resume. Cause that, that's just how it worked. Like the HR people didn't want to fucking like call anyone back. You couldn't do background checks. So if a guy showed up, <laughs> uh, yeah, go sit over there. You're, you're hired. <laughs> yeah. You can you're, be the CEO of our company. dollars a year. You can pay <laughs> three mortgages with this. No problem, former murderer. Yeah. Any any time, and then he yeah. he makes his way to the top, and yeah, I and everyone was like, "Wow, what a harrowing piece!" And I was like, "This is kind of horrifying." <laughs> you could just do this. I might go the other way. I think this is like kind of cool, and it's kind of more like I don't know. Maybe we should give like people more of like a second chance. I don't. I actually agree with that morally. I agree with that morally, but it's just it's just funny that this guy is like, yeah, by the way, I'm like a retired multi-billionaire now. Just I got to get this off my chest. I killed the guy. <laughs> like, I mean, the, honestly, like I appreciate I don't know. I kind of it, it kind of paints him as like more human because like, I don't know. This is like a, this is this guy had to have had like the worst case of imposter syndrome like ever. Like <laughs> worse than Ben Simmons. Yeah, no, honestly, like much worse. It is like. Honestly, like, Ben, come on, man. Like, don't you feel like a little bit of a baby now that this guy was like, did something this hard and like went on to like it? I don't know. I think it's like, it's cool. Like, normally when a rich people is admitting in plain sight with no consequences that they murdered someone, they didn't already go to jail. So <laughs> it's true, I'm actually. Right yeah, I'm all yeah. right. I'm all right with it, to be honest. But anyway, yeah. I, but I think Beck should have gotten vaccinated before writing yeah. that story. Is my point? <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. Okay. But Bill Bill Gates got on television a few weeks ago, and they asked him about uh, Jeffrey Epstein and what you could learn from uh, what happened, like being an associate of Jeffrey Epstein's and being around him. And then he was like, "Well, he's dead." So, and I was like. All right, Bill Gates, send in a message. By the way, he was taken care of. We don't have to worry about him anymore. Next question. Bill Bill Gates says, if you can't put that body on me, let me go. Bill Gates says, dig your man, dig your homie up. Yeah, Bill Gates says he'll serve he'll serve his dime if you can prove it. Like, (laughs) oh my god! Uh, But but basically. I'm not sure if you caught this episode with uh, uh, Arvinowitz on, who, by the way, I know you're not a fan of Arvinowitz. I, here's the thing about Arvinowitz. I used to not really, like, he annoyed me a little bit, but as the show has gone on, 
the more he just uses his like someone described it as like he doesn't speak English. He just speaks in corporate jargon and like Ivy League. Yeah, like it's, it's like, TA. No, he he speaks like an English TA. That's what <laughs> yes, it is. Like, yes. like he he like uh, I and where it, I I do kind of appreciate it because it seems like he's trying to write a narrative. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, like like I I always think of his like. His, his like white whale was the, you know, the 60 win Hawks team and like how badly he wanted them to like win. Um, because like, that's like what he wants. He wants like a cool, interesting story. I think of him as being like more small market adjacent than some of the other writers, like yeah. and a little bit more besides Hollinger, probably like the most sympathetic to like the, the small market plight. Um, yeah, exactly. and, and it kind of, you know, shines through um, with like some of the, the points, you know, he says, I think he's like generally like a, a pretty, um, a relatively like wise basketball mind. Like, uh, uh, but the thing where he gets, where he like, where his discrepancies come in is when he's like kind of gets committed. He falls in love with like a story or a narrative. And right. then he kind of starts ignoring things like based around that. Like you can tell he's like, he's fucking annoyed by the super teams. Oh, absolutely. Want to talk about the Lakers, which like respect. I don't either, but <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, yeah. I totally understand some of his points, but right. my thing is sometimes I'm like, you're talking about fucking basketball. You're not talking about Shakespeare. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like just speak like a normal human and yeah. talk to me about like, we're bullshitting and talking about hoops, dude. Like you're right. fucking like, he'll go and he'll fucking wax poetic about Chris Middleton for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, That's what I'm saying. Like, it's exactly that. Like he's taken it upon himself to be sort of the mouthpiece for the, like the, the, like, um, the underdog. Uh, yeah, the un the underappreciated guy. Like, you know, yes. like like the, a great example. The last time I got really annoyed with Arnovitz was um was like was it all NBA or All-Star last year? And he was yeah. like he was saying like Middleton was like clearly better than Jason Tatum. And I was like, no. Like, even as like a Celtics homer, I think that's like Absurd. <laughs> no, no, you're totally right. Even Zach, even Zach was like, and by the way, Zach's from Boston, grew up rooting for the Celtics. He yeah. does not have a Homer bone in his body. Like yeah, he, he, he tells it like it is. And he was like, yeah, no, Jason Tatum's just better than Chris Middleton. I don't care what you just said, basically. Well, that's, saying, like, that's where his stuff comes from. It's always like whenever Arnovitz says something like off base or like insane like that, it's because of that. It's It's in the service of, you know, making a point about like, you know, John Morant's actually better than Steph Curry. Like he'll get there. Yeah. He'll say something like that. The, the 29th best player in the league. Like he will be yes. like, this is my guy. Like this is right. like, I'm going to ride or die for him. But actually this week, I thought it was so funny. Zach basically does this whole thing on Ben Simmons that he's talking about like forgiveness. And he's talking about how if he were to apologize for everything that has happened over the past few months to Philadelphia fans, which by the way, I save your fucking apology, dude. I don't give a shit. Like that, no one, no one here really gives a fuck if Ben comes out and apologizes and does all that stuff. The only people I saw that were saying that were people that weren't from Philadelphia. We're, right. And what Arvidowitz said was actually dead fucking on for once. Right. He was basically like, yeah, I don't know. I think that sports fans kind of have lizard brains. <laughs> yeah. and it's basically yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you're only as good as you are on the court to me. If yeah. Ben Simmons comes out and averages 22 point, 22, 10 and 10, and the Sixers yeah. are in first place in the East, and he looks like he's added elements to his game and he's improved. 
then yeah, they'll accept them back. They, I, I don't care about some fucking bullshit that you're going to say that you, we know you don't need it. <laughs> like, right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, no, no one, I, I, I don't know. Fans are, I mean, fans are always going to want like, you know, something different, but that is the great, like that nail on the head. You know what I'm saying? That's the great bomb is winning and being good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's all that matters. Yeah. It's like, it's like you saw this in Boston last year where it's like, when you don't live up to expectations, and like by the way, a little caveat here: uh, like half of the Celtics were dead from fucking COVID for half yeah. the season, and there were all these injuries, and clearly the Brad Stevens thing had run its course mm-hmm. as the coach, and Danny Ainge was on his way out. Like, there's all this stuff that was not being really said at the time, but the visceral reaction from talking heads in Boston and fans, both. I mean. Uh, obviously the the most famous clip was the one of the guy that was kind of going at Kyrie Irving kind of embodying that whole, just like angry white Boston sports fan guy. And yeah, that, I mean, that's exactly, I mean, I can tell you like the Celtics are always going to get a rough deal in Boston because like a, the Patriots won like a billion times. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, B, I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, there is like, you know, the racial animus, you know, and yeah, like, absolutely. Kyrie Irving is such a like perfect, like, you know, avatar for that. Cause you know, guys can just say insane things about him and, you know, and just get away with it because he's Kyrie. Be, right. Cause that's the thing that makes Kyrie so tough. You know what I'm saying? Is cause like Kyrie's right about like some things, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but because he does have like this, you know, 20%, you know, um, contrarian brain, yeah, um, you're just saying, you know, saying things for the sake of it, you know, um, it kind of gives some people some cover to kind of like write him off as like difficult or, you know, whatever. I don't know. The, the vaccine stuff has been pretty disappointing because I actually like generally like Kyrie. Um, I know that was my whole thing is like I yeah. kind of ironically liked him, but there were parts of me that like saw some of the things that he did and saw that he actually did some good behind the scenes and wasn't even trying to take credit for it and all that shit. Like I think that deep down there is like a good person in Kyrie. I think that there's a lot more complicated to the situation, but like it's now got to the point where I can't even fucking defend him anymore. And it's, I want to against these people that are, and it's not just Boston, by the way, it's fucking sports fans everywhere. It's fucking, especially these just for the same reasons. I mean, exactly. That's like the second half of my thing. Cause I mean, I think that's like what makes Boston fans like so mad when like the, you know, when it's like the the racial animus gets pointed out is cause it's like a a lot of times their knee jerk reaction was like, well, this is not a Boston problem. It's an everywhere problem, which is like still mostly, you know what I'm saying? It's it's also yeah. it's also true, but there's like you know there's levels to everything, and of course, I, I think that the point is more that like you have a segmented, you've got like the Boston, you've got the Patriots fans like Hardos who are like just win everything, and that's like what the sports radio in Boston is. Is it's like Pat's Red Sox, you know, Dan Shaughnessy hot takes, um, yeah, you know, and and saying that stuff, and they're they and it's like people who don't really watch the NBA and like come in when the playoffs are and suddenly like have like a, a huge opinion when it's like most of like the Celtics yes. like online community is like, well, a communist, but B. <laughs> like, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah right. Very much but the opposite of the opposite. So there's yes. like a lot of like culture clash there where it like basically turned us into like green teamers who were like, 
yeah, Evan Fournier is going to like win us the championship now, even though we're making the play. He's game. better than Gordon Hayward. Yeah, which uh, honestly, I'm I'm guilty of that. I I've I know, I know. But I, I, hey, listen, I said Shake know. Milton was better than Karis LeVert after he was good for like two weeks. You might so, still be right about that. If uh, yeah, maybe. Plays, like, <laughs> yeah. At least Shake Milton can exist on an NBA court. He does have that advantage over Karis LeVert. But no, no, you're it, it's. The, the same fucking thing happens here in Philly, and I'm a huge Eagles fan. I'm a I love the Eagles, and like I, they were my number one team growing up until I got very into basketball and the Sixers and all that shit. But like, it's exactly what you're describing right now, which is basically guys who watched like the five ESPN games that the Sixers had during right. the season, and yeah. then they come around playoff time, and all of their opinions are insanely reactionary. Yes. And I think that there there's something about football fra- brain that is just reactionary in itself because yeah. there's only 16, 17 games a week. So you're reactionary from week to week. Whereas mm-hmm. in the NBA, there's fucking, uh, if you include the playoffs, there's like a hundred games, preseason playoffs, all that shit. We follow this fucking like maniacs and there's ebbs and flows of a season. There's ups and downs and there's all this ch- changing yeah. shit everywhere. And football fans just come in and they're like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Why did my team lose? This is fucking bullshit. Well, and I think like the, the avatar for that on the Celtics is Marcus Smart. Where like all the football guys like hate Marcus Smart because if you watch an ESPN game and he goes 0 for 6 and shoots them out of the game and takes <laughs> the last shot, you think he's like the worst player in the world. Whereas like anyone who watches – like the Celtics regularly knows like, or just the NBA in general. <laughs> right. He'll, he'll like follow up like that with like five insane cocaine plays. Like, where he, like <laughs> will like single-handedly like salvage the game, like by like tearing his arm off and like fighting Patrick Beverly with it or something like that. Like, so like he's like another great, you know, avatar for that type of stuff. And it's like, you know, again, it it, it all comes down to like, that type of, you know, I think you put it very well, reactionary. I think it's like the reactionary yeah. versus like the more steady, like people who watch them day in, day out, which I mean, if you want to be fair, means we have more of an emotional, um, you know, uh, what would you call it? Attachment. Yeah, 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 exactly. Stake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I still think, I still think Grant Williams is going to be Boris Diaw. So like, <laughs> that's like not really a bit. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Tyre, Tyrese Maxey is Bradley Beal, but. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. No, you, I you know, you know where I'm coming from. Yeah. I, un- I totally understand. I, I get it. And, and I think it, it, there's probably another level to it in Boston, like you said, because of all the Patriots success. And right. also the fact that like. Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. Bill Belichick's the best coach of all time. And they're both like kind of fascist. Tom's wearing like the MAGA hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like an attack on Titan panel whenever like Tom Brady would like come out of the game. <laughs> and like Belichick had like it, uh, Revis said it earlier this week. He was like, I went there. I won a Super Bowl. I'm so glad I went there. I put in the work. I did this. But he was basically like, I'd never, ever play for the Patriots again. It's a nightmare. He was basically like, it's run like the military. Like, it's a very fascist culture. Like, it's yeah. just like very military brain, very like you do your job, you come in, whatever. The second that you have no value to the team, we will be cutting you. Just like 
this is how this is why they were on top for so fucking long. So it creates that parallel for sure. And Philadelphia and Boston have so much more in common than I think that people read like between the history and like all the animosity with the sport shit and the the parallels between like like you said, like we have fucking socialist communist fans, like where right. there there is the culture war happening within the fan bases. Right. And it's funny that like so many Philly fans I know and so many Sixers fans I know hate Boston fans, hate the Celtics, and I'm like Dude, I talked to these guys online and we're like all very similar. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, Jack Michael and I, like in like 2012, like, you know, the, the shoot a three, you coward, you know, like that was 2012. Yeah. Was a lot of, no, it, we, we had a lot of like fun, like ribbing, I, I don't know, the, the six, back before I like knew any like Sixers fans and stuff. And it's like, you know, I don't know. Now it's like most of my online friends. It's like a 50 50 split with my online friends or Sixers fans and Celtics fans. That's right. So. Yeah. I heard that uh, Sam Shee and NBA got some shit from Philly fans for having an anti Philly bias. Uh, yeah. I, I, he was saying that uh, Ben Ben was scared to go back in front of the fans and it was a mental health problem because that they should, uh, you know, he was scared of the of the the toxicity of Philly fans who didn't support well, him. I mean, um, I, I I have to say, I I actually unironically agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> he was sending. Uh, yeah, I do know. I did get a chance to look at Sam's uh, Motorola Crazer. He, he can't afford a um, you know an iPhone or anything like that. And he had actually the Crazer wow. across. It was uh, seventy five messages because you know there's the one hundred and of course yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But he was sending it to. Um, God, trying to send it to Rich Paul. Um, I do not think he got through, though. Trying oh, okay. to get it to Adele, though. I don't know how <laughs> if he got that through. But. Might be a little bit harder to get through to Adele. Yeah, yeah. Very popular. Busy right now. She has a new album coming out called 30. Right. Stole it Stole it from Danny Brown. That's um, <laughs> I, he should be suing for libel. He should. Um, so... Uh, so, yeah, let's talk uh, just as we as we wrap up here. Let's talk. I, I I wanted to hit on a few things. We already talked generally about the Boston media. We talked a lot about Bill Simmons and Rosillo and, you know, all that shit. But one of the guys that you personally have a beef with is someone who actually covered the Celtics last year, uh, who is a regular rotation guest on the best podcast of all time, the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst. <laughs> Another, another, just absolutely amazing journalist. Yes. <laughs> Did you want to say something about about King. Brian Windhorse, Wendy? The God, the God King. I, I just want to say, I, I don't. I've seen these and I'm trying to find them. Somebody made some sick Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorse shirts, and I want the Windhorse shirt so bad, like to wear. Are they NBA like, Jam shirts? They're like, um, no, it's just like. It looks like a monster truck shirt with like the <laughs> grave digger, but it's windhorsed like like on on like 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 the thing. It's very good. It's very. I think good. that was my buddy. That was my buddy Jim Adair. If I if I am yes. correct, yes. Who's well, been on this it, podcast? Honestly, let me know if he's still selling those. I won't. Yeah, yeah. I I I will reach out to him and see if he is. I I would absolutely buy one of those. Uh, the Hoop Collective, which has been absolutely killing it with the Ben Simmons coverage, just so much objective journalism showing both sides of the story, no favorism towards Rich Paul and Ben Simmons at all. Absolutely. Just being objective as possible. But the, I just want to touch the one thing on Windhorse. Uh, what does he do? He's a, uh, he's the, Le, the Le, LeBron guy. 
if you want to know LeBron, what LeBron's thinking, you bring in Brian Windhorst. Like, that's insane. His, uh, that's his niche. I loved. Wait, did you hear when when Bontemps like destroyed him? Yes, it's the that only the good episode of that podcast yeah, ever. That turned me around on Bontemps, honestly. Like, honestly, <laughs> well, because let, let me explain my relationship with Bontemps. Because the problem is, it's my. I don't really have a Bontemps problem. This is more of an ESPN problem where. We used to have a guy, Chris Forsberg, like covered it for like ESPN Boston, like the specific city sites. Then they shut that down and Chris, you know, went somewhere else. And, um, you know, Chris is doing fine. But the the point is, it was like a a good gig. But ESPN did this thing where they had Bond Temps covering like five of the fucking biggest markets for like two years. Like he was covering the Sixers. He was covering, I think, the Nets and the Knicks. I think he was covering the Celtics. And he was covering all of them at once. It was like the Atlantic Um, Division. Yeah, or something like, and it was fucking insane because yep. it's like just fucking get another. Like, I saw you guys. The, I saw the Miami Heat coverage you guys had. You had like nineteen fucking <laughs> journalists on hand for for the the Miami Heat when LeBron was there. Like, it's how it's many a, Lakers reporters do like, they have? Exactly. It's you were you were ESPN just just like even if it's just for like like New York, Boston, Philly, like those teams should have their own reporter. Okay, Clearly. Is, it's not Tim's fault that he got that assignment. Um, and the other thing that was bad about the timing was like he had to cover like the Kyrie stuff when like the Celtics were like, it's fine. Kyrie's not going anywhere. Kyrie's not going anywhere. And like we all believed him, like, the team. <laughs> like we were like, yeah, he's not going anywhere <laughs> until like the Bucks series. And it was all of a sudden like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Yeah, never mind. Maybe he's leaving. Um, and, but uh, like, he was, he had to be the one who was like saying like ESPN, you know, he was doing the ESPN, like, you know, Woj fact finding, like, you know, uh, actually Kyrie's like kind of pissed and, you know, we all yelled at him and like <laughs> the team didn't want that. So I think like relations like soured between like ah. him and like team officials during that. And I think he like really doesn't like being up there. So what happened like the last two years was him just fucking mailing in like his coverage, <laughs> like week after week after week, which uh, like respect. Okay. I, anyone getting, getting a Disney bag and not doing any work. Like I, I wholeheartedly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Me. Especially if you're not doing access journalism, I'm surprised they right. didn't fire him. Thing. Like he was, he was anti-access journalism, but he just, and it wasn't like he was like toxic or like, cause I actually think he like mostly, I listened to him on other podcasts. I think he kind of knows what he's talking about. Like most of the time when he's trying, he just very clearly was like, did not want to fucking go to Boston. Did not want to fucking cover that team <laughs> was like always just kind of fucking annoyed when he had to like talk about them. And it's like when he's the ESPN fucking beat reporter and he's got to write about the national games and I'm seeing him be like Robert Williams. He said something about like Robert Williams. Like clearly, it's like not working for him. And it's like, are you in fucking insane? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, Robert like, Williams is pretty good. Yeah. So and you know, and then it was like months later, he was like fucking sunning the Raptors out of the playoffs. Like it, it's you know. So that was my that was that. So I started the campaign that was basically like we need to get Tim Bon Temps like. <laughs> Removed, Not fired, but we need to get him on a different beat. Like it would, it it would poor be man being held hostage by the assignment. <laughs> oh, so you 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 spun it on its head. You you basically said it would be unwoke of me. To say, yeah. let's get a man fired for not doing yeah. access journalism. No, I don't. I don't want I'm, him to get fired. <laughs> I'm trying because to. I'm trying to free a, a hostage. Yeah, if he got fired five teams. Wouldn't have a fucking journalist 
<laughs> the mom and pop Disney company couldn't afford to have fucking five journalists covering. The I was going to say. Meanwhile, the the athletic, which by the way, yes, we know their business model is not sustainable. Yeah, <laughs> it's but well, they have, have two six. I feel bad when I make athletic jokes because it's like I have a lot of friends who like write for that, and it's like oh, I like the, I like our guys here, and I like some of the yeah. national guys, but it's just oh, it's good it's work. Like you have, yeah, it's just you have, like it's got like a stink of like oh god, I hope it's okay. <laughs> like I hope these guys have jobs in like two years. Like, oh no, it's absolutely, unless they get bought out by the New York times or some shit like that was being discussed. I don't see any way to having that be a sustainable model, but he, well, like we have two Sixers like, guys who like what, three Boston yeah. guys, like yeah. 75 warriors reporters. Exactly. Yeah. A billion warriors reporters. Like, including the most ethical journalist of our times, Ethan Sherwood-Strauss, the only man to go to a Jordan Peterson uh, NBA assignment. <laughs> Did you know that? He went with Andrew Bogut to an Andrew Peterson, to, or uh, uh, not Andrew, Jordan Peterson. He went to a Jordan Peterson um, thing with uh, Andrew Bogut. <laughs> oh my God. What a king, dude. He rules. He's so cool. I love him. I love him. I love whatever, like, there's some sort of culture war bullshit in the NBA, and I, like, I see that subsap drop. I'm like, yes. Okay, hook that shit up to my veins. Give me it. Like, please tell me that the reason the NBA isn't doing well is because uh, there's too much woke shit. Like, I love that. Oh, absolutely. Dude, my favorite was after – I could kind of get a sense that Ethan was on his way out of the athletic when he was covering the Myers-Leonard situation. (laughs) And he was basically like, yeah, I don't care that this guy used, like, the most horrific Jewish slur. I'm like, you have to sell out your own fucking people <laughs> to basically be like, I will take a stand on this. That's like a top five slur. That's like, that's <laughs> that's a Mount Rushmore slur. You can't walk that one back. Like, <laughs> It's okay to have uh, – opinions even if they align with some of the people that you hate sometimes yeah oh, God. like he's so yeah cool. he's so cool he was basically on that podcast and they were all saying how horrible it was and he's like yeah i'm not gonna sit here and act like i'm offended i'm like uh you're cool dude Joe, yeah, yeah you said cool. like fucking so cool. i'll never get triggered um all right so let's wrap it up real quick here um i'm not sure if you've been listening you listen to bill's bill Rossillo and uh uh, fucking house did their over under podcast this week. I'm not sure if you listened to that. Oh, I haven't got a chance to get to that one yet. Oh, okay. I hope I'm excited. I won't spoil, I won't spoil it for you, but mm-hmm. anyone who listens to this podcast knows that bill will do. And, and national writers do this a lot, but bill did something so awesome other than trying to trade Obi Toppin for Damian Lillard every episode, that's like his new favorite thing is no. to be like RJ yeah. Barrett, Obi Toppin and picks. Finally, Rosillo called him out on it. And he's like, you got to keep bringing up Obi Toppin every fucking episode. Well, I mean, the cool thing, why I like that trade is those guys are the same age. So like, <laughs> you know, you get everybody on the same timeline right away. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the most important thing. If you're going from a top 10 player, even if you're downgrading to like the 175th best player in the NBA, as long as they're like 21 to 23, they'll at least be on the same timeline. Right. Well, yeah. And well, especially with Obi Toppin, that's even accelerated as like, you know, as a 34 year old second year player, um, (laughs) he could, he could really like give them 
quite a bit. I, I, I can give them a lot of juice, I think. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could get we could we might be able to get Indiana involved because they already have Chris Duarte, who's thirty seven, and then yeah. they have Karis Levert, who he's going to be a superstar uh, soon, but he's he's almost thirty, literally. He's like twenty eight. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who came into the league at like thirty six, so they could just build a team of young old guys. Yeah, uh, I would love that. They need to just get a ton of young old guys. Young old guys, dude. Get Buddy healed. Get a fucking yeah. whole team of young old guys. If, if Marcus Smart played them, they'd collapse because he's the opposite. He's an old young guy. So, like, <laughs> like you think Marcus Smart's, like, 37 and he's, like, 26. Oh, yeah. The the yeah. The, the, the Derek yeah. Favors, uh, yeah, exactly. Steven Adams. Uh, who's the one that uh, – Jaleel Okafor is only 25 years old. That's it's just insane. That's that actually insane. hurts my brain to think about. Yeah, but that, that hurts. The other thing that Bill talked about on this podcast was he was talking. It's actually directly related to the Sixers. Now, I'm sure you haven't watched a ton of Sixers preseason basketball, but the one thing we've all been really surprised by is that I hated the Andre Drummond signing originally. I was like, this fucking sucks. Don't give me another fucking plotting backup center. Like, we've already done this. It doesn't fucking right. work. Like, try to do something else. So Bill goes on there, and one of the things that I've been surprised by is Drummond's just been really good in the preseason, and it helps that they played the Raptors the first two games, and the Raptors literally don't have any players over like six eight. <laughs> like yeah. I think their ta- their tallest players like six eight or six nine. But Bill basically went on there and said that uh, Drummond made Precious look like Precious Achua look like the new LeBron because he hit like two or three shots on him, and then. After that, today, he was, like, basically saying that Drummond looked like he was 300 pounds and incredibly out of shape, when in reality, it's been the complete opposite. And he said on the same fucking podcast, he said, I don't like the downgrade from Dwight Howard to Andre Drummond because Dwight was able to fill in for Embiid last year when Embiid was out. Uh, Dwight Howard started six games for us last year, by the way. Six games. Averaged 20 minutes per game in those games. And also he said he didn't like that Drummond was a uh, was a better free throw or a worse free throw shooter than Dwight, even though the past two seasons he's actually shot better from the line. Yeah. <laughs> Why doesn't he just Google these things? He, he Bill doesn't know any – I mean honestly and like – not to, not to like, because I know that like, I know it annoys people, like how many like Boston um, sports media there is. I'm sure people are fucking sick of hearing about Boston. <laughs> it is like a fucking Sisyphusian like punishment to have Bill Simmons be a fan of your team because he always brings it up like he's some sort of arbiter and knows what he's talking about and is just saying the most absolutely insane bullshit stuff. He's trying to trade Marcus Smart like every, <laughs> every time. year. Every year, he wanted to trade Marcus Smart for like Tyreek Evans one year at a first, and, like, and a first. Yeah, Boston includes the first. Expiring, expiring Tyreek Evans, like that was like one of the ones he wanted to do. He's he's had some. He's always like just the most bullshit dumb. I think he wanted to trade him for Harrison Barnes last year. Like, there's just always some sort of insane nonsense going on with Bill. Um, that's why we love him because he's just my favorite. Th- my favorite thing about Bill is that he'll shit on a player like Harrison Barnes or Aaron Gordon or someone who's not as good as the expectations that were set for them, and then at some point he will try to trade Marcus Smart for them. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, no, no. He 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 rules with that stuff. I mean, I I would say you know as an as an outsider, I think the other thing that uh, that sort of like uh, kind of puts our teams together is uh, I think. I honestly think the Sixers are going to be better than people expected. I'm seeing a lot of like five, six seed 
For yeah, them. that's what I had them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I think I think Sixers could still be like a, a two, three seed. I think the Nets are gonna be sneaky worse than people think. Like I people Ooh. keep saying the Nets are deep. I, I don't know if I necessarily buy that. I think that they're like they did a good job getting like Patty Mills and some of these guys, but like at the end of the day, like it's still if one of Durant or Harden is out for any period of time, if Kyrie is like actually gonna do this thing, and it seems like he is, like they might be like worse than people think. And I think like the Sixers might lose games while like Ben's on the team. But I think once that trade goes through, if you guys get someone who can like shoot, you know, like literally say, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you, if you end up with like Buddy Heald and like, you know, whatever X young guy, you know what I'm saying? Like Tyrese Halliburton or whatever. Yeah. yeah like I would say like, I think, I, yeah, like be, name your thing. You know what I'm saying? I think that'd be great. Like great for you guys. Like, um, and I think that would like really help Embiid like space the floor and do some other things. I think like Maxi's coming along. I think if yeah. Thibault played more, would I love when you guys don't play Thibault? That rocks. You should do that <laughs> next time you play the um, Celtics. Well, I the problem that. is you can't play Ben with a traditional center in Thibault. So yes. unless it's Embiid, that lineup doesn't really work. And then you're getting into a little bit of redundancy with the offense. And and one of the things why I think that Thibault is kind of is who he is, but he's an insanely good defender. And yes, he'll probably always be a negative on the offensive end, but that won't matter as much when you get rid of Ben Simmons. Like if you get rid of Ben Simmons, then he can be your primary defender. And if he just hits 30 5% of his threes at some point in his career, he'll be ter- totally fine. Well, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I might be off base on this, but my outsider perspective playing the Sixers like in the off season, or, you know, playing the off season, post season a lot. And like during the year and like just speaking from like what I'm scared of, I don't think Ben, I don't, I don't think you guys are going to miss Ben's defensive impact as much as people think, because I think it translates directly to more Thibel. And like, I don't know if like, you know, suppression clamps defense because Thibault's like kind of a gambler. You know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah. more disruptive, I would say, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like with the, the safety plays and like, you know, steals and blocks and steals yeah. on the cross court passes yeah. and like, you know, getting his arms and like passing lanes and stuff like that. That stuff's more important than like being a big, like not more important than being a big switchy guy, but you can make up like a lot of fucking size and stuff like that. If you're getting that type of stuff, like, a steel breakaway is such a valuable like, play in the NBA. Like, and Ben went from leading the NBA in steals and deflections to like kind of not doing that at all. I think his on-ball defense is better. His off-ball defense still isn't as great as advertised. And mm-hmm. it's kind of what you're saying is why I've always said that I've thought that Tatum was a better defender than Brown is because the, he's a much more disruptive defender. He's yes, an exactly. off-ball in passing lines. He can That's shift the momentum. Yeah, like, and yeah. Jalen Brown's a good on-ball defender, but like – he has a lot of lapses. Yes, yes, exactly. But yeah, I actually, I'm a little bit higher on the Sixers having watched our our only, <laughs> I was very panicky reactionary after we played our first preseason game without Embiid and I was like, oh, we have zero good passers on the team. That seems yeah. like it could be an issue. But after watching the last few preseason game when Embiid actually played and have the, the very unfortunate part of it is, is that like, I think, even if they don't get anything great back for Ben or Ben's on the team or whatever it is, they did add a lot of shooting. And like Isaiah Joe is a guy that I think could contribute to the rotation as just like actually having a shooter who's like, and Quirk Moss is getting better. Like the young guys are getting better. I yeah. could see a world where they are like a, 
two, three seed and a very good regular season team. But I just think that we're all fucking so past that. Like, I mean, we're just like, we get it. We get it. They'll win in the regular yeah. season. And then the, like, we're just so yeah. frustrated with what this team has done, not being able to get past the second round that all the regular season shit, even if they are the two or three seed, I don't think people are going to be that excited. Well, Okay, so so here's my thing with that, because the Celtics have been in this zone for like five years now. You know what I'm saying? Where like, you know, just making it isn't like good enough and people will like want to see them like win and that's like why Yeah, but you guys you guys did come within one game of the finals. That's a little bit different. Yeah. Well, yes, but but I'm saying like but that that's like where people aren't aren't excited to like have a good regular season. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants to be the one seed anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like um but I, I th- just the playoffs are such a fucking crapshoot. You know what I'm saying? It depends on who's healthy, what ma- yep. like it's so matchup dependent. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you know yeah. you guys like I, I, if you didn't like run into the like the Hawks. You know what I'm saying? Like if you guys had played the Heat, I think you would have smushed them. Like, yeah, like 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 or the Knicks, no problem. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You, or you the know, banged like, up Celtics. Right, this is what I'm saying. Like. So like you can't really while while I did think it was very funny that the Celtics or I mean the Sixers lost in the second round as a Celtics fan, you know. Yeah, fuck you. It's just it's just as easy that they could have been like been in the finals if like three things go different. You know what I'm like I Yeah, I know. Yeah, so so like, you know, it's just about kind of like getting to the playoffs with like home court and that gives you like the best chance. And like you yeah. hope the Nets aren't healthy and then like that's the big thing. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. We're like, hey, can the, if the Nets aren't healthy and the Bucks aren't, like, cause now I'm watching Giannis in the preseason shooting like fucking KD from mid range. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Did we all miss our window? Like, did the Celtics miss their window? Did the Sixers miss I'm their window? Like, I'm not worried about any of this. No. <laughs> I'm not, but I will say it does suck to have gone from the last two years were the best. Two to three years were the best time to try to make a title run in the fucking in whatever yeah, the Raptors like, era this was. The, yeah. the the year the Raptors yeah. won, and then the Heat got to the finals, and then the Bucks, although absurd, Gian, went and like well, I yeah. it was absurd. I'm not saying that it was yeah. it, the, these, I, it was I'm an still outlier. So mad we lost that. That's the worst. That's the worst Celtics playoffs playoff loss of my life. Like it's I don't believe more clear that they were the better team. I'm still like, I'm still real, real tilted off of that. Yeah, I mean, I would be furious if Tyler yeah. Hero scored 40 points on my day. I mean, did you see the tweet today that was like, Tyler Hero thinks he's in the same conversation as Luka Doncic? Jobber and, and, <laughs> Job and. The conversation is oh, white NBA players. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, Sam, mm-hmm. I got to head out. But yep. I appreciate you coming on. Everyone can follow Sam at oh no, Sam's girlfriend. I'm no, sorry. At Naishian. I'll put it in the in the description. Thanks so much for coming on, Sam. I'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later, brother. Peace.